This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. I am Jeff Sharon. No Eric Lopez with us today. He's nursing some health issues, but in his stead, we have a full house here. We have Bryson Turner. We have Stat Voyager himself, the Leroy Jenkins of UCF Twitter Mafia, Andrew Kukov, and of course, the student game Colin Angeles here uh, aboard on this uh, on this media day Thursday. We're recording this Thursday, August the 4th. Uh, and we, uh, Bryson and myself and, uh, and Noah were at UCF media day, uh, earlier today, which is kind of the, uh, kind of, I, I guess we could say like the, the, st- the real start of the season, right guys? I mean, this is it. We are, we are off and running now. Yeah. The Pats, Pats came on day three of practice and then Bryson was there to handle the business at the media day. Man. Yeah. Yeah, from, from a fan perspective, I would say this is definitely where the season really feels like it begins. And then you have the pads on for the players, which uh, according to Coach T-Will is really where you get to learn a lot of stuff yeah. about your team. So I'm, I'm telling you what, I'm excited and I think everyone else is excited. So, yeah. Practice started on uh, Monday and, uh, you know, we, okay, so a couple things that we have to come out with already. All right, number one, we don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be just yet, so don't ask us. Uh, but we will hear from both of those star- both of those quarterbacks in the running for the starting job, John Rice Plumley and Mikey Keene. We will hear from uh, Gus Malzahn as well. Uh, we don't know when the uniforms are coming out. Um, all I've been all I've been hearing is the same thing you've been hearing soon. Um, how soon? I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully, pretty got to be pretty soon. Soon uh, enough that it's a meme to the yeah. Houston Tonight Twitter account. <laughs> well, well, yeah, yeah. We'll find out September first. We'll find it. Well, that we'll we'll definitely find out by then, obviously. <laughs> but uh, we're going to be ramping up too. So uh, you know, obviously, we're talking about football media day today. It's a relatively short show, not too much to talk about. Um, but uh, next week we will have our first fall sports uh, preview. Tiffany Roberts Sahadak will join us, head coach of UCF women's soccer talk about her team but let's dive in with UCF football uh media day today in the Nicholson Fieldhouse we got to hear from coach Gus we got to hear from a bunch of players Bryson was uh in mid-season form I should say getting as much sound from as many different people as he possibly could we also heard from some of the assistant coaches um it's okay so my sense Bryson I'll start with you since you know you were there I was there with you Noah was there too um, you know, there's not really too much we can glean from media day, um, except it's nice to kind of rub elbows and see everybody today. But did you gain any particular insight from, uh, from, from you being there, uh, today at uh, media day? A, a little bit. Uh, so one of the things that we can glean from media day is who exactly is there. Because, you know, obviously a bigger, you know, the bigger role that a person have, the more media attention they'll have. And that's the person that they'll want to put forth. And who else did they put forth on media day but Javon Baker, which is the wide receiver we've heard so much about 
if from the limited press conferences we have had since practice began and who is the subject of that Twitter video where he caught a caught a ball over a defensive back's head. So um the, you mean so, the uh, one that certain people on Twitter have been over analyzing with regard to insight regarding the quarterback situation. But anyway, but a lot so, of those Twitter coordinators out there breaking down the film. <laughs> yeah, leave that to Grant Hurd, who I also talked to. Um, so Javon Baker, uh, the fact that he was sent out for media day, I think is a little bit of an indication that I think that they might be planning a big role for him. I mean, obviously he comes to us from Alabama. If you can't catch Nick Saban's attention, then you got to be good. So I, th- I think that that's certainly a very intriguing I also am. I also got to talk to Traymond Morris Brash, who also got some name drops at the press conference as well, and he got got to talk to him. Uh, I other than that, I think that everyone also talked about how it's really important that everybody buys in, and I know, I know that we hear about that from everybody. It's basically coach and players speak now at this point, so, but. The thing is, and Gus sort of mentioned this as well, and I think Chip Lindsay might have mentioned it a little bit, if I remember correctly, but that a team buying in is much more important than it is in today's game because of the new changes that are coming about that are beco- that are more player-centric. Because when you're a college athlete now, you have all sorts of different things that you can use to benefit yourself with NIL, with NIL especially. The so the but the obviously it's still a team sport. And so the team that gels together the best can end up having a pretty big competitive advantage, or at least can be a competitive advantage, I think, because you're able to gel together as a unit. And so I think that this the fact that these players and coaches have been pairing this over and over and over really shows that this is a really big focus for them. Kyle and Drew, and I want to go to Kyle first on this, or, or excuse me, Drew first on this. I'm sorry, nothing against you, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, we've heard that time and time again, right? You know, it's all about buying, and but but I really, I, I I mean, to me, that's that's exactly what it should be, right? And that's why I've said before, you know, I kind of like the portal because it means that you're gonna have. I'd rather have 85 guys who completely buy in and are not playing out the string. Um, but my question to you is, I, I guess, how much do you think that that, that that just kind of happens organically? And how much do you think that how the end of last season played out with the win over Florida, how much did that does that factor into you know, what the coaches were telling Bryson today? Uh, well, I mean, I mean you, you can probably put a lot of, you know, you could probably put some into the fact that they ended the season on a high note. I actually don't think it really matters all that much as far as the team gelling uh, that happened throughout the entire season. You know, you know, one game the season does not make uh, just the fact that they went through the trials that they went through builds that camaraderie to begin with. And when you bring in pieces from the portal and new freshmen coming in, you've already have this, this bubble of, of camaraderie, created and you're just adding pieces to it so you don't have to make a wholesale change like you did going into the 2021 season where you you have an old team with a fraction mentality and you have to build it back up now you have a new foundation 
and you can add pieces to it without having to to change the foundation that you've developed. What do you think, Kyle? Yeah, no, Drew, and I like a lot of what you said there too. Listen, when it comes to the Gasparilla Bowl, the part where that mattered the most has already passed. It was something that was a bit of, excuse me, how you say a fuel that Gus could pour onto his hair to recruit like it was on fire, just as he promised to do last year. He did it all over again and in spades with all the uh, recent prospects he's brought in. But I, I would even add to this too. You know, what I asked Gus after the first day of practice was how much more different, how much more comfortable, how much more excited he was. And frankly, his, his response was, because of not only not having to catch up the way he did and literally him and all the other coaches, but the new rules regarding coaches being on the field and having practices with them in OTAs in the summer and all that. He said something along the lines. I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember the precise quote. It's been a bit now, but um, he says that he feels, he feels like they should be light years ahead and he feels that they are. So that's where that stuff kind of comes into play. Not so much with the Gasparilla Bowl, but certain other things like the, the recruiting was where that really came into play to hear uh, Gus talk about it. And I think he talked about that a bit in the spring. I might have been the person who asked about that. I don't remember. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's it's more about how much more comfortable literally everybody is. T. Will echoed it the second day after practice, too. So I, I really feel like that's where all that comes into play. I think that uh, – <clears throat> that- well, we'll, t- well let me, I'm going to hear from Gus from Media Day first here, real quick, because he talks about a little bit about you know the real potential that this team has, and really it's, he kind of echoed what he said. I thought some of the things that he said actually in his introductory press conference now a year and a half ago. But let's go ahead and play that uh, you know, play that soundbite from er- from earlier today, in Media Day. Yeah, you said football. Uh, you know, I really feel like we're one of the programs on the rise. Uh, talk about seize the moment that's part of it we got to seize the moment on the field and everything is set up in place in, in, in this program i mean you know we we've got a program that's won and won big before uh we're in orlando which the best brands in the world are here this is one of the best places to live in the world right now too and the nil and everything that goes with that everything is set up we just got to win we got to win on the field our guys understand that and as far as the program's concerned you see the way we're recruiting, it's going to get nothing but better if we can take care of our business on the field. So that's kind of, that's, that's why we're saying seize the moment. And the great thing is, like we talked about, our seniors understand that. And so that, that's our challenge. So that's Coach Gus Malzahn at UCF Media Day uh, earlier uh, today on Thursday, August the 4th. I, it's easy to say, like, okay, you know, right, like coach speak, right? But – the thing that I kind of took away from that and some of the other things he was saying was, man, it feels like he's been here longer than, than one football season. Doesn't it? Yeah. He's, he's kind he's like really settled in. And, uh, and, and I think that that's part and parcel uh, of the, of like we were talking about earlier with like the buy-in from the players. Um, he set up the the staff exactly how he's wanted, and there has been some turnover, but he's fine with that. You know, I think that I think that that's something that Gus, um, like the teacher in him, is cool with. He takes right? pride in it. I would say, yeah. Jeff. I mean, part of the reason why he has such a young he knows having such a young staff, they're looking for the next job. I'm sure Gus, for example, has plotted out the day T. Will gets his head coaching gig, if. 
he's not intended to be the heir apparent, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, Bryson, I think the big question that was coming, that obviously comes into not just camp, but media day, they didn't really get too many answers on, is the quarterback situation, right? <laughs> uh, it's, you know, of all the things, like that's, that's, that's going to be the big thing, right? And um, John Rice Plumley, Mikey Keene, they both have their, you know, they both have things going for each of them. They both have other things that work against each of them. Um, we got to hear from both. Of, by the way, did you see the photo? The photo op? Oh, yes. Yeah. It was It was such a, it, it was, I, I got to give them both credit because it was such a, it was a campaign photo, man. It was. It's it Step was Brothers. Plum, Plumley Keen 22. I mean, it, you just, just like put the sign out in front of your, your yard right now. Like, and, and <laughs> And my thought, I, I wanted to make a joke about it to to some of the folks on Twitter about like, about look, look at John Rice Plumley. He kind of looks like the president. You know, I almost thought he would give somebody like a thumbs up or something. And Mikey Keens, Mikey, and Mikey. By the way, Mikey has matured a lot. You can tell. But like, <clears throat> you know, Mikey's I think nineteen years old. John Rice is twenty two. Okay, Mikey's hair's kind of. He likes to wear his hair kind of scraggly. He kind of looks like the vice president who's the attack dog on the on the campaign trail you know like it but like it, he's kind of like yeah i'm you know i'm i'm a big part of the team here but lord knows you do not want me to step into the big office right now no i'm just kidding i but whoever gets it but it, it's fine but like he kind he kind of has that attack dog in him which i which i also dig but i you know but again here we go with quarterback over analyzation school but um but Bryson, we heard from the two of them. What were, if anything, were we able to pull from either of those guys about how the competition is going? Well, you talk about how you wanted to make a joke about the whole like campaign poster of this is. I'll tell you what the real joke is. The real joke is what you won't see, which is me trying to to turn my tripod so that way I can get my phone in the right position to get the photo up there. That. Mm -hmm. My friend is. I managed to get it, and I shared it. I was like, I wish I know. I wish I know it. I wish I told you. But anyway, go ahead. Oh man, yeah, I, I you need to send me that later. But <laughs> okay, so one thing that I think was very interesting is when we were talking to Mikey Keene, and you can watch this in the full video, which is up in a the 2022 UCF Football Media Day playlist that we have on the Black and Gold Banneret YouTube channel. That. Mikey mentioned that he was he was trying to improve the ability his ability with his legs and how he's you know has the ability to scramble in order to extend a play and I asked him you know did John Rice influence you to improve on that because that's something that John Rice can do pretty well that he hasn't really shown and he he says that he did he says that he didn't but and I obviously that is something that a lot of quarterbacks in today's game will probably want. But still, it's like you could say that, but you you can't deny that John Rice having that skill with his legs is a bit of a leg up for him. And no pun I, intended. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I I think that that is something that you know is is definitely worthy to consider. And so I think really the big deal is is John Rice a just as good or better passer than Mikey Keene is. And that I think is going to be the big question 
that we get. And people ask John Rice, you know, about, you know, hey, you had a really good spring game where you threw for four touchdowns. How do you translate that over? So I think that what was some of the, the biggest thing, though, that we got from both of them is that it's a healthy competition. And that is very important. In fact, uh, we have a soundbite. Uh, from John Rice Plumley, kind of talking about how kind of, uh, about the competition and how how it is for him and Mikey. Can we, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's go, go ahead and play. This is John Rice Plumley from Media Day earlier today. Um, yeah, I think the the biggest thing um, in a quarterback battle is it's all about competition, right? And I think competition brings out the best in people. Um, it, it makes you want to work harder, makes you want to, to to stay up late and study more, wake up earlier and go harder at it. Um, and so, having done it before, I guess it's, it's an experience to say that I've done it, you know what I mean? Um, but I think the biggest piece of it um, is the competition point of it, and which I love. I've, I've always been a competitor since I've been um, a little kid. I remember when I would lose to my dad and, and Madden when I was a kid, I would start crying just because I, I was so competitive. But um, I, I love competition, and so um, being in a quarterback battle is just is fun. I, I, I don't really know how to, to compare it to something because you're with a guy almost 24-7, especially during fall camp, you know what I mean? So you're doing everything together. Then when you have a class together on top of that, you're doing a lot of stuff together. Um, I, mean, I mean, it's like, a, I guess it would be like playing your friend a video game. Like uh, when, when, you're, when you lose, you're pissed. But when you win, you're, you're happy. But at the end of the day, it's still your happy. That was uh, John Rice Plumley talking about the quarterback competition earlier today. We also heard from Mikey Keene talking about the uh, talking about the quarterback competition. We, a little bit less specific than John Rice, uh, more talking about competition in general. Here's Mikey Keene. Uh, it's, a, it's a great relationship that we both have with each other. Uh, quarterback competitions are always necessary. There's always going to be competition regardless of the position. There's competition going on in every position room on our team, which is how it should be. Uh, everyone needs to compete and make each other better. We have to iron sharper diet, and that affects that works within, within our own groups as well. So. The best guy is going to play, and whoever gives his team a chance, the best chance to win is going to be the guy. Well, there's Mikey Keene, one of the two combatants for UCF, the starting quarterback job uh, between him and who we heard earlier, John Rice Plumley. So, um, it, did we did we hear anything, Bryson, about you know what the timetable was for a decision, or because Gus is keeping this pretty close to the best, isn't he? The quarterbacks themselves didn't really say anything. Uh, Gus is saying that he wants to name one sooner rather than later because something because he said something about wanting to get the timing down. We should so, have we should have odds up as to what do we hear about first: the starting quarterback job or the new uniforms. <laughs> oh, that would be fun. At this point, but, I think it's going to be the quarterback. I'll be honest. Yeah. I yeah. will say this: what's really uh, they should have the starter reveal the new uniforms. How about that? <laughs> I will say this of those two sound bites, I particularly liked John Rice Plumley and how he sort of compared it to playing your friend in a video game. He's had two video game comparisons in that or um, it, um, idioms in that sound bite and um, or metaphors, whatever it is. And I literally liked how he really worked that together because it really shows how much of a competitor he is, but it also shows, you know, how competitive you can be with your friends. And I think of above anything, I do think that Mikey Keene and John Rice Plumley are good friends to the point that they study together. They're in, they're in finance class together and they were studying at Albert Ford's house for a test, for a test. So I think that the, that it speaks to Mikey's point where, you know, healthy competition is good for this team and the fact that these two are clearly having a healthy competition i think is a good sign because these two are pushing each other 
to do their best. This is exactly how we got Dylan Gabriel in 2019 when competing with Everett Golson. Kyle, I think we learned a little something though from what Bryson was saying and you know from and Mikey Keene talking about I'm I'm working a little bit more on my legs and trying to be a little bit more mobile. Does do you think that that gives John Rice Plumley a like we said, no pun intended, student of the game approved pun here, a leg up in the competition? Yes, yes. First of all, stop stealing from Bryson and second, um I gave credit where appropriate. You did. I'm just talking. It's going to be the competition of the dad jokes again, isn't it? <laughs> Why are you griping? <laughs> you participate regularly, stat boy. Anyway. Oh, I've got nothing compared to you two. <laughs> he says that now. Anyways, um, no, but listen, here, here's for all this talk of competition and, and you and I making making light or not of Jeff's very obvious uh, John Rice fanhood. Um, the, the whole concept really, you know what any of this means is just who's going to take snaps first. If he's going to, if, if coach Gus has a history of bringing out Gatewood as a change of pace back, all we know right now today, gentlemen, is that they're going to be two quarterback system here. It's a matter of how much rotation you get between the two. That's what we know. Yeah, um, I get worried though, because What's the old cliche? If you have two quarterbacks, you really don't have any. I hate yes, two quarterback well, systems. Tell Chris Leak and Tim Tebow that. that. That's on everything you say is valid in other situations, but there are situations where that's altered. As a 49er fan, I can tell you in a world where Montana and Young are on the same bench, that theory doesn't hold. And oh, by the way, I got you, babe. Steve Bono up in that beast as number three was amazing too. The punchline is this, guys. There are exceptions to rules. And um, listen, this isn't like the Miami Dolphins having either Ryan Tannehill or David Garrard or Matt Moore. That's not the same. Okay. What this is, I see you smirking too, Jeff, you know exactly what I mean. But um, the reason why uh, going back to your original question, I don't look too much into the, can he run aspect is twofold. A, People said the same thing of Dylan Gabriel and, 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 and boy, by the time, you know, that, that short season for him was done, there were comparisons to him and Cam Newton. So that was good. Um, I think a lot of it too, is we've just not really had King King isn't that guy. Wasn't that guy and shouldn't be that guy in a situation where the starters are already out to injury and your third still needs a lot of work. Quadri Jones was never field worthy as a quarterback. I said it and if that's the number three, you're not going to run your number two regularly like that. That being said, him saying he's working on it or not, whatever. I, him saying he's working on it, I believe, simply because it fits Gus's system better. Now, he can claim it's not because of John Rice all he wants to, but the natural competitor in any athlete in that situation is going to want to do that. Heck, me in my situation where I was an old lineman, I moved better than the rest of the old linemen and others were just power guys. And they participated a little bit more in conditioning drills to keep up with me, even though they were already ahead of me. So I say all of that to say, I don't look into that much of it. There's other things that give John Rice advantage without that statement. Go ahead there, Bryson. 
I will give you something with the because you mentioned the two quarterbacks and how there's exception to the rule because there was one reason why Joey Gatewood coming into the game sometimes or Parker Navarro didn't work and that is because you knew they were going to run. He always ran. The that's, thing is, that's is my that thought too. Couldn't hit the side of a barn. Right. The thing is, is that Plumley can actually throw the ball. Right. And so you don't have to you know you, you don't have to you know switch between them all the time and so the point is is that the team doesn't really know what you're going to do sure john rice plumley runs might run the ball a little more than mikey king probably would but he can throw as well so that means you can't just set your defense be like okay john rice plumley is in get ready because they're going to run the ball because you, you can't do that because he can pass the ball and i think that kind of helps keep a defense on its toes and there are two ways on Keen, he would run in and fool them too. Go ahead, Drew. Sorry. Yeah, there ahead, are Drew. two ways to run a two quarterback system. The, the, the problem is the way that it was being run, it really doesn't work right. because you kill any momentum you de- you develop. You basically, if you're doing a two quarterback system, you have to go really by series or by quarters or something a little more structured. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spurrier and- went play by play. One time that didn't well, actually it did work. He beat Florida State that one time, but that's another thing entirely. Yeah, I mean you don't that see, one time that says every that one time. Yeah, I mean, you know, I have to go back way back in my childhood to remember the last time you saw a working series by series uh, two quarterback system, and that was Ohio State in the nineties with Joe Germain and Stanley Jackson. I mean, it you don't see it very often because it largely doesn't work. Uh, you, you know, you need you you kill momentum when you take guys out. Uh, it's and, and you know what you're getting with each player, so it's not like you're really surprising the defense when you come out with a different quarterback. So it, it, you almost it almost becomes self defeating. You do it when you have a quarterback who can't throw, and you need that that curveball but then you have to have to find ways to maybe get both guys on the field and have a little bit of misdirection there uh, just switching off back and forth i mean in, in my in my opinion it actually hurts more than it helps yeah well i mean we'll find out in due time uh in the meantime guys we have plenty of content for media day for you to digest ucf fans uh if you go to our youtube channel you can find that out so you can Make sure you check out our YouTube link as well. Bryson, you were going to add something too? Yes, I just wanted to say uh, we have a playlist now of 19 videos. I'm currently uploading the last one right now to make it number 19 with Gus Bryson Turner, the heart for here. Yes, dropping uh, 19 bites from Media Day on us, man. Wow. You- you uh you actually glitched out a little bit there, Jeff. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, but yes. So basically, just to kind of give you a, pre- a preview, uh, we t- we obviously had uh, the people where all the media was there for Plumlee, Keen, uh, Gus, Alex Ward was there, um, and then on various other um smaller bent uh, smaller tables around, we have Coach T. Will, Travis Williams, Ryan O'Keefe, Kamor Gamble, Javon Baker, Brian Blackman, the special teams coordinator and tight end coach. Uh, Quadric Buller, Ricky Barbo, Lokahi Paole, Matt Lee, Sam Jackson, and a few more. So there is plenty of media day content for you got for you guys there to get a chance to see what these players ha- and coaches have to say. And it was really awesome to get the chance to speak with some of them because we don't normally get to talk with some of these guys, especially with the position coaches that 
often. So I think it was really cool. Brian Blackman, I will say, was actually very uh, enlightening because he talked about how, you know, because you guys remember last year how Alec Holler really became a dominant receiving tight end for the team. And then, so I was thinking to myself like, okay, so how does Kamor Gamble factor into this? Because will there be a tight end battle? And it, and he was more of, and he mentioned how it feel it's more like a one, two punch with them. And that there could be two tight end sets. He mentioned how we don't have starters. We have standards. I think that's a really cool uh, mantra to kind of have. And we also talk about how uh, how the coach how coaches talk about how you really want depth. This team was ravaged by injuries so much last season that I think having depth is just the biggest thing for you guys right now because that because one of the big things that you know some of the bigger teams have and my dad who's a big SEC fan by the way talks about this all the time is that Alabama's second team can still go and beat like Old Dominion or something like that. So. So, Alabama's second team could probably beat Auburn. Right. <laughs> so have it. So the, the point is, is that debt, 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 good debt is important. And that's what the this team is trying to build. And so having a, yeah. a something where Holler and Gamble could switch out or be in the same play together, there's so much opportunity opportunity here, especially when we talk about the deep wide receiver room that Ryan O'Keefe has been talking, Ryan O'Keefe has been talking about, and that Grant Hurd talked about as well so i think the biggest thing is there's so much possibility with this team that maybe we didn't have last year because of injury that really excites me and that you kind of see all throughout these these videos so i'm i'm I'm, I'm excited kyle and drew as we as we wrap up this first segment here that that's that's something that gus knows just as well as anybody else right it's Oh, yeah. It's you know you got to have you got to have that depth when you're heading into the Big Twelve, and he's worked to really build that this year. And and you know based on what we kind of you know riffed on a little bit about the recruiting the the recruiting for 2023, that's a big emphasis now. Oh yeah, well and and just where Bryson went with the tight ends alone, like you haven't seen that kind of uh, depth at the tight end position since 2017, where you had Aiden Franks and Kalubiali, right? Now they actually have a few guys. I mean, it's they I think they expected more um, from those before Holly and didn't necessarily get it because reasons. Maybe it was the play calling, maybe it was the player, maybe it was both. I don't know, but um, there's there's a lot of depth there talking to Sam Jackson after the second day of practice, or excuse me, first day of practice. Um, he mentioned that even though Marcus Tatum and, and Cole Schneider are gone, that this group is bigger than it's been, um, which tells me a better shot to battle Cincinnati and those meaner guys in the conference in the trenches, you know, where previously guards would be put on their back as has happened in the past. Um, there's a lot of that good stuff and, and the kind of stuff you want to see heading into the big 12. I mean, Drew, you can't get bodied like that at the next level. If you're on the, in the trenches for sure. Well, especially when you're playing against a Midwestern, well, great plains league, you need some, you need some corn fed beef, right? Size. And while you sometimes lack that in the Southeast, you, you find it elsewhere. And, and the transfer portal is really helping out with that. It's filling, it's filling in some gaps, you know, Ryan uh, Swoboda, who is an absolute behemoth, the guy six foot 10, I think he is. I mean, he, he's absolutely gigantic and you need that, uh, especially in the short term. Uh, with the portal, the way it is, it used to be, if you're going through transfers, it's all about just 
fixing gaps. But now you're getting freshmen who are transferring and you're basically able to hit the reset button on them and, and start them essentially almost over where you get three to four years of eligibility. So it's a, a totally different recruiting monster using the transfer portal compared to how it was in yesteryears. And, and add to the fact that that UCF is, is using that affiliation before they even step on the field in a big 12 conference game with what's looking to be the best high school recruiting class they've ever had. Now we'll see how, how well it holds till December, but I mean uh, there's been more buzz in this in incoming freshman class than there's ever been. And, and you have to be excited and you, and you know, there's correlation here. It's not that they're just keeping players in the in the central florida area it's the fact that they now have a power conference designation to go with it to make them that attractive it's not you know if they were still in the american they would not be having this 2023 class coming together the way it is well Uh, yeah not just the american but gusset coach you know the recent i think there's a lot of factors that's the biggest one you're right but there's just a lot of things going right right now on the recruitment. oh yeah it's it's a complete package but i mean if you switch that one thing you wouldn't have the same set of results. You really wouldn't. And unfortunately, highest- it's a bias you can't get around. Yeah, well, you might still have the highest recruiting class in UCF history, but it wouldn't be this high. I'm with you, buddy. Well, right, Doug, right. Doug it's- said this, though, that, you know, the, that uh, Jeff has mentioned how, you know, it, you, it's they're not here until they signed on the dotted line, which so they can still change their decisions at any time. And I think that Gus mentioned how they are set up very well but they have to succeed on the field for it to stick. And I think that's what people really need to realize here is that this, this is a year that I think where this is the year for UCF's future. You know, we are, we're, we're about to go to the big 12. We're about to make this big move. We have these people that are like, all right, we want to come here. So it's like, we have the ball. The ball is in our court. Let's make the most of it. Let's seize the moment. That's why Gus has been parroting that phrase all this time. Now, now you young whippersnapper weren't around in 2012. I was uh, just going to say. The, in 2012, the slogan on all the football shirts was finish. Mm-hmm. It's, about, it's about ending one chapter, bookending it with something successful, moving on to the next. In fact, you see a kind of bookend conference USA winning division titles in both years, losing to Tulsa both years in the conference championship. Yeah, losing in overtime in the conference championship. Well, they didn't lose in overtime in 05. But, oh, that's know, right. That's right. Yes, yeah. They they were good until halftime, and then they got torched. Uh, but, still, I, but in 2012, they lost in overtime. Right. Went I mean, to the before Brady slash St. Petersburg slash now Gasparilla Bowl. Yeah, and it was state. It was the Blake Bortles coming out party. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was a foreshadowing of things to come. And, and ten win out, season, yeah. Uh, and, and the thing was, you know, that parlayed into a very successful 2013 campaign. You've got to finish strong, and that's what it comes down to. Uh, you you want to create momentum, you want to create excitement, and yeah, you know, obviously it doesn't matter until you sign the dotted line in December or February, whichever recruiting uh, signing day you're doing. Uh, but you also want to use the chance for the the recruits that have committed to try and get others to join in and players talk and we've seen it, you know, it makes a difference. Uh, so you want to create, you, you know, you, you got 
these guys who have committed, you don't sit on your laurels. You maintain the relationships with them. You, you encourage them. They spread the good word. You put a product on the field that people can be, you know, that players want to be a part of. And you let, you let it grow organically at that point. And, you know, if you can, you know, remember, signing day is before the bowl game. The bowl game generally doesn't matter in that, in, in, in that because you're going to get 90% of your class by the December signing period. So if you can get a successful season, maybe get to the conference championship game, finish third or even better or well can win it all but I mean, if you don't i mean if even a third place finish i think will end up doing really well for for ucf yeah or, you before the bowl game depending on the bowl in question drew some of the earlier bowls it might file on signing day that's its own ball of wax there too yeah <laughs> all right never know just win the conference outright because remember this is the last time that ucf will have an opportunity at least as far as we know under the current format to play a conference championship game at home. Yeah, going forward, it's going to be in Jerry World at our, in, in Arlington, uh, Texas. Through through 2025, I think, right? Is that the latest? Yeah, I think so. Or I thought they renewed it. They did. Uh, I think it was through 20. Uh, anyway. Maybe that was the renewal. Yeah, we'll double check. Here's that. what I know. Now I have to try to explain to my wife about a yearly trip to Texas out of nowhere. Hey, hey <laughs> I'm more than happy to take the dive. My sister-in-law lives in Plano, Texas, outside of the Dallas Metroplex. Uh, I'm willing to take that dive. I'll do respect, Drew. I already did that for you for the Peach Bowl, and I'm still regretting that trash. So, no. <laughs> my brother does not live in Atlanta anymore, but I but the best man at my wedding did. I can't hear you over the fact that it's still not going to happen. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> positive momentum is the key is the key i think no matter what what last season showed us is the, is this team is some is a team that can overcome things that have thrown its way so now it's all about just positive momentum and i think that will i think keep recruits you know coming here right and uh it, it was reported the uh latest uh on the big 12 championship game is that it is at jerry world through at least 2025 so uh, you won't have to wait that long for us to get back because when we do, we got a couple other things that we will uh, sort out as well, including the upcoming UCF schedule. We have a few years already knocked out, so Drew will have an update for you on that. Uh, and also some financials that UCF released this year that we can talk about uh, in depth. So we got lots to talk about still here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon here with you, hosting along with Bryson Turner, Andrew Glukov, and the student of the game, Kyle Nash. So uh, earlier today we had Media Day. Remember, you can check out all the latest from Media Day uh, on our YouTube channel. So go to YouTube, look for Black and Gold Banneret. You can find us there. Uh, all the latest uh, press conferences as well, not just from today, Media Day, but from throughout uh UCF's uh throughout the season uh we will have that on there for you as well and by the way huge thanks to both you Bryson and you Kyle for busting your tails to make sure that we get that stuff up there it's uh it's huge it's huge man um and you guys are on the ground making things happen all right speaking of getting making things happen on the ground uh let's talk about earlier this uh earlier today uh, earlier this week, UCF released a little fiscal year 
update. Uh, Record-setting, revenue-generating year, they say, uh, Andrew Glukov. Let's go go ahead over some of the bullet points. Um, Growth year ended June 30th. The charge-on fund, the fundraising arm for UCF Athletics, uh, raised a record $43.8 million in commitments and got $20.2 million in cash. So $20 million actually in the bank, $43 million in future commitments in total. Uh, Record number of donors to the charge-on fund, 11,804. The Shareholder Society, which is the major gift program, grew by 51%. That's donors with a commitment of $25,000 or more for over a period of up to five years. Uh, UCF got, of course, the naming rights agreement, $19.5 million over 10 years from FBC Mortgage for the football stadium. Doubled its number of corporate partners. $125 million uh, multimedia rights deal with Playfly Sports. That's, that's, that's sort of the marketing arm that they're looking at, kind of like what IMG used to do for UCF, um, mostly with uh, mostly with radio signage, things like that. Um, that doesn't have to do with TV. Uh, licensing revenue was up, and uh, we are now less than uh, 900 football season tickets away from a sellout uh, for the uh, for UCF football for this year, as the Knights head into their final um, year in the American. So, Drew. The big thing, the fundraising ramping up in an effort to be commensurate with other institutions in the Big 12. But like, I, I think people lose sight of how important this part of it really is. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the fundraising aspect is always a huge part of the of the overall operations. And I'm surprised they actually left off the, the signing of the tower club with three MG solutions who does, uh, yeah, who's, already, who's already a partner. Uh, you know, I was expecting to see that there. And I, I, I don't recall seeing it. Uh, that actually comes out to 1.75 million over five years. Uh, if you fully average it out. So, I mean, that's another extra chunk of change that really should have been included in this because it was signed within the fiscal year. Uh, there's a few things in play here. One, people want to be involved because of the move to the Big 12. Uh, one thing I've learned from my work in uh, with, with youth organizations and, other, and community service projects is when you're doing fundraising, if you give a specific goal in mind, people will be willing to give you money. And Terry Mohajer was pretty upfront about why they're raising money. It's just not, I'm, we're just raising money. It's, it's specifically with a goal in mind mm-hmm. uh, in reference to, you know, trying to, to get towards what the Big 12 operating budgets are. And so people are feeding off that. Interesting contrast, by the way, compared to what Houston did, because they announced that $150 million fundraising campaign, which will be used to improve athletics facilities and whatnot. They just announced that one huge block, right? That that one huge sort of block goal where UCF's approach to it, Drew, has been a little bit more, I don't want to say piecemeal. That doesn't sound like the right term, but but a little bit more. It's segmented. Yeah, a little bit more compartmentalized. They're trying to eat the elephant one bite at a time, Jeff. Yeah. When you, when you make the goal $150 million, it sounds very unattainable. Mm. It, 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 
it doesn't seem realistic. So yeah. look what they did with their athletic plan. They broke it up into pieces and, and it was smart because you can do this here with these couple parts here and then here and then over here uh, and, and do it in phases. Uh, it, it extends your timetable really. Uh, as we know about, you know, basic problem solving that we've learned in school, take a big problem, turn it into multiple small problems. Mm-hmm. This is no different. It's, it's, taking, you know, obviously $150 million is actually kind of what UCF's facility plans kind of equal. I think it was like 155, give or take, when you look at the whole package. Yeah. Uh, instead of just focusing squarely on that, this is the, the, the goal actually isn't the capital campaign. Um, now that's, you know, a secondary part of it, but the overall goal here was about operating budget, about being able to uh, keep up with the Joneses of the Big 12. Because remember, UCF for the first two years is going to be a half share member. They're going to get between 18 to $20 million per year through their payout, which obviously is a huge jump over the around seven to eight that they're going to get if they stayed with the Americans. So you're already getting a huge jump there. But Do we know that for sure, by the way. I just want to double check. Okay. Uh, uh, Mohajer did say he was quoted, uh, I think he said 18 one year, 19 the next. So it's going to be somewhere in between the 18 to 20 range. It really depends how uh, the overall payouts work with with a variety of, you know, different variable payouts. But I think it's going to be relatively in that range. I don't think they're going to really give them much in the realm of NCAA units or whatnot uh, during those first couple of years. Now, 2025, they're going to become a full-time a full share member on the that's new also when contract. the new TV contract would take place. I have no right idea now. where it's going to go at this point. All I know is it's going to be better than what UCF has ever had before. Uh, so they will be thrilled. I can't speak for the remaining eight and how they'll feel. And we don't even know what the conference makeup is going to be come 2025. Yeah, that's, that's true. We may not be done. We may not be done yet right now. I, I guess, Kyle, when you look at that, you know, what does it really mean in terms of, you know, I, I mean, obviously there's the flashy renderings and everything, right? But like, mm-hmm. what does it really mean in terms of brass tacks, what that money really goes to? Because it's like, it's scholarships, it's equipment, it's things like, you know, it, it's it's stuff to make UCF better at whatever particular sport that they have. We see it, it has such a huge impact. I mean, not just, I mean, everyone sees football and basketball and everything, but it has a huge impact on the Olympic sports as well. I mean, listen, to put it in the words that I surprisingly hadn't heard yet, or if Drew said it, I missed it, facilities. That's what it is, right? I mean, you know, and, and listen, I'm not here to say that um, football facilities are in a bad place, but compared to some of their Big 12 counterparts, there might they may very well be found wanting in certain places. There's room well, for improvement, I guess. Correct. Well stated. I would see that and raise competitive coaching salary. Listen. Gus ain't going to be here forever. He's at a particular age. I think he'll be here longer than people first thought. At least that's the read I make. Like for Gus, I think this is the perfect cushy job. He's having all the fun coaching and with the reduced stress of not having to deal with an SEC press corps. I mean, goodness gracious, man. Now we'll see what happens once they're big 12 and any of that changes. I'll I and Bryson and Drew will keep you up with how that goes. But long of the short is, it's great for Gus, whoever's next commanding that next salary and the salaries of future coaches, I think is a huge part of that over and above, you know, I mentioned facilities and that I'm not sure what other machinations 
may take place as far as, you know, involving some of the stuff that you mentioned. But to put it this way, to have the same high level of production that you get from the media relations team to keep the, you know, rotating uh, uniform action going the way that the fans like it in a world where we have a uh, impacted supply line. Mm hmm whatever worldwide event reasons you want to bring up this week. I don't want to get into politics, but that's part of it. Um, you know, uh, well, it's, it's always been, it's always been supply chain because of, because of, you know, overseas suppliers and manufacturers. That's, exactly. That's, that's, the case. that's what happens when you sign with Nike and they're, you know, doing like that's, that's not political. That's, that's just the fact. That's logistical. I agree yeah. with you there too, but I'm talking about over and above political events happening throughout the world, you know, um, wars and all that. But I say all of the above to say <clears throat> at some point being what it's the, it's the proverb of you have the money to buy the mansion, but now you have to be able to afford air conditioning, that big space every month. And yeah, I got to afford the power bill. You got to afford the, exactly. you know, the water bill, the, you know, all that. Yeah. And, and while that'll be covered a lot in, in the significant revenue increase, uh, from the conference um, shares, and, and like Drew said, only a half member so far. That um, that's still something that's that's a factor as well. But also, what comes with it is all the spoils of being a member of a bigger pro conference. And listen, I, I think Bryson, um, Eric, if he were here, and Drew can all speak to the sports that need facilities upgrades more than football overall as well. And I could probably even make the argument for the basketball facility as well. But Drew, yeah. uh, help me out with that. Well, I, I, I made a, a very brief comment about the capital, the capital plan. Um, didn't use the F word, uh, yeah. but I mean, while they didn't really highlight it, uh, there were talks of upgrading the soccer facility, doing some stuff with basketball and whatnot. Um, but they track were, is also and and tennis have also yeah. kind of been like but they don't really the a little bit. Yeah. They don't really yeah. talk much about it, but there there's underlining improvements lined up as part of that huge capital campaign. But they there there's one other thing that we need to remember. Um, they talk about a record number of charge on fund donors at eleven thousand eight hundred four. This is about friend building. Yes. This is about yeah. creating relationships. This is a long-term play. Yeah, you may get $25 out of them now, but this is about creating relationships because now they're they're gonna they're gonna be talking to you. They're gonna be talking to these to these donors over time and getting a little bit out of them there. And then oh well now you you're doing better in life. Now it's no longer $2,500, $25, it's a hundred dollars, and then it's five hundred dollars. And it's you know, oh now you know, they're a senior, they they put something in there, they you know, bequeath in their will. Uh, to give money to to the school. This is a, a this is a long term play. You know, it's a you know it's like any uh, any foundation or or nonprofit that you know you look at building friends over time that you can start tapping into for consistent revenue building. And then yeah. you have that on top of the biggest uh, demographic alumni base with the most disposable income. Hashtag data. You know that st stuff definitely adds up quickly, buddy. And this is a young, this is a very young alumni base. Uh, yeah. and, and it's, you I, know, think that's the part that, I think that's the part that people sort of forget. And we'll get to you in a second, Bryson, on that. But like, I think the average age is about 38. Yeah. That yeah. I, well. yeah. We are, well, not Bryson, because he's too young. But <laughs> we Kyle's are too old. Me <laughs> we're the median donor age, right? 
or the median alumni age, I should say. So Apparently, according to Drew, we're above that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, that's true. But uh, uh, price, then you can't drink yet. No, I'm kidding. But that's that's the part <laughs> that twenty <laughs> one. But that that's the part that I think the Big Twelve also saw was like there's there's this is going to be a financial powerhouse over time. The more graduates get bumped out, the more the donors is, you got, the more successful people in business and law, et cetera, et cetera, right? The key is you keep those 11,000 people. And then over time, that becomes 15,000 and then 20,000. And there's mm-hmm. more graduate. You just, it, it's, it's a long-term play. I mean, obviously, you had to start somewhere and develop a culture. Uh, um, uh, McCants has done an outstanding job really developing uh a, a system with with alumni um, from yeah, both. Carlos you know, is the man. It's just fantastic development there. I mean, it was it kind of just kind of lumbered along before that, but I mean, they're really building some with the shareholder society. They've gotten athletes bat involved. Yeah, I got, it, let me tell you, it was huge, and we got it. I'm sorry to interrupt, but it was huge, 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 huge for the program and its alumni relations to get Dante Culpepper back as we oh, saw him this Oh, God, week. everybody. He, they got the man back. I mean, the guy. He, he is the man of UCF football. Say what you want about, you know, some of these newer guys, Blake Burles, Mackenzie Milton, Shaquem Griffin. But, I mean, Dante Culpepper is, is the original OG of – UCF football in the modern era. He is the oest of G's. I was about to say, as much as Elo likes bringing up the Rose Bowl, Dante in UCF terms is the granddaddy of them all. Let's be clear. Well, think about this. Like I, 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 I love using this comparison because I think it really works. Because when you think of the three greatest quarterbacks in UCF history, Blake Bortles, Mackenzie Milton, and Dante Culpepper, when you there's three of them. When you look at the times that they're involved involved i think about the three spider-man actors dante culpepper is toby mcguire you it. know how many people love toby mcguire's Spider-Verse. Wait, 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 wait. were you point even point? alive when dante culpepper was at ucf no, was no i wasn't it's a little before that i'm saying it, it's not perfect no it is perfect blake bortles is totally andrew garfield i'm loving this Yes, exactly. So what I mean is, is that, you know, look, people, it's a lot more recent Like with like people will know Blake Bortles and Shaquem Griffin and Mackenzie Milton and all that. The problem, though, is that they're not really at that donor age yet where you'll be able to get a lot of them. People that have the more donor dollars were kids or students when Dante was the quarterback and when mm-hmm. Dante was lighting it up, bringing him back. I I think can help get those donors attention. It was like, Hey, that quarterback that I loved that was at school when I was a kid and I saw light up the NFL is now participating with this team. And by the way, whoever, whichever UCF production person posted that video on Twitter, where Dante told his story. Now people have been saying like, Oh yeah, I remember this story. Yeah, I didn't. I never knew that. First of all, shots fired. Damn it. It's (laughs) So it's like, so, and, and by the way, and what really helped, by the way, is the mu- is the music choice behind that. That was really cool music under that video. But the story, uh, and especially hearing Dante tell it, because I, I rem- if I remember you right, Jeff, you hadn't heard Dante himself tell that story. Yeah, before. I haven't heard him say, I, I've heard a lot of people say the same exact, he, he told the story, you know, that's exactly how I've heard others say it. But to hear Dante say it, 
and tell the story from his perspective. It just hit a lot different, and it's and that was that was big. And I think a lot of the old hats, not just not just you know older fans who remember him, but also the actual football alumni. You you know you know Jeff, uh, what they didn't say uh, on the camera, but I heard that it was it was said. You know, he walked in, he goes, you know. I'm something of a football player myself. <laughs> seriously. Oh no, seriously. Oh, that's true. I was, it's, I was hoping that he would, that he would have a, like, somebody would have put up a copy of like, of Madden 02. Right. You know, the Madden curse. The cover of Madden. Bro, J- J- Jeff, you joke about that, but you walk in with this age demographic of players doing that. Oh man, they'll, 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 they'll you remember what the Ewoks did to C3PO in Jedi? I'm just saying. Hey, yeah, John Wright, right. hey, how many guys in this room? How many guys in this room had their had their 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 self on the cover of Madden? This guy right here did, right? If you're Dante Culpepper, exactly. But I, but yeah, that's the it, it, it's encouraging to see. You know, I. I covered Clemson for two years when I was up in Georgia. We were about 35 miles away from Clemson. This was before Clemson got good at stuff. And, you know, I, I heard the story of, like, of Ipte. I pay 10 a year. How that, um, you know, how that came to be and how that, that is ingrained and, in like, part of the culture of Clemson athletics is its connection to its fans through Ipte. And... That they you start out just you know just ten dollars a year it's all it takes, uh, and if we have enough people giving at least that much you know and it used to be people like back in the day would like donate ten dollars a year in the equivalent of something because it started during the depression, and like they would people would do, do things like donate ten dollars worth of apples if they were like an apple farmer in South Carolina mm-hmm. every year it's like whatever whatever you can give we are thankful for it, right. And it became this cultural phenomenon. And I hope that the Charge On Fund can sort of become that, especially if they reach out to younger alumni to kind of get younger alumni in, right? People Bryson's age be like, hey, if you, you know, it's not much, but every little bit helps. Well, look if at we the get day. Everyone in this room to donate $10, $20 a year. Wow. You know? Look, look at the day of giving. I mean, they, they, they had very low. Um, you know, they were, they were aiming very low on, on, on basically, you know, Hey, you know, even 15, $10, you know, every little yeah. bit helps, but I mean, you have special campaigns like that. People feed off that. And, and once your name is in the database, they've created a relationship yep, and yep. they can come back to that. That's you know, the thing I, that's important. Yeah. You know, I, I actually end up, you know, like me, for instance, I end up giving twice on day of giving the two different organizations on campus. Uh, one being athletics, uh, just because you know. The other one I, was the marching nights, wasn't it? It was the marching nights. That's what I thought. Uh, yeah, no shame there. Kyle and I are longtime vets of of the MKs, and and we love our organization. Uh, but you know, the the thing is, you know, it it, it but those kind of the day of giving and stuff like that opens an opportunity to be able to do that and, and connect a little bit. And, and, you know, some people won't do it because they get a free gift out of it. Some people do it because they just like doing it. And, and you know what? You do it because you can do it. It's, just, it's all about remembering the opportunity to do so. And that's what the day really does. It's kind of a reminder. Yeah. And believing in, you know, and, and, and believing in something that you, that you were a part of. And so, and that's, I think, going to be key moving forward. Now, Plus, as far as, yeah, go ahead, Bryson. Plus one day. 
because we I because I talk about how you know because I'll mention because if Dante Culpepper is, is Toby Maguire, you got to remember that the 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 alumni that we have now, Blake McKenzie and everyone like that, they're going to become nostalgic eventually as well, and that just builds even even more like even more. Because sure, it can be Dante. That's the old, that is the player that people will know from like twenty years ago. But soon twenty, but eventually twenty years ago is going to be Blake Bortles, Mackenzie Milton, Shaquem Griffin, Adrian Adrian Killen. So it's just about kind of ex- ex- exponential or the increase where there's just there's more and more and more eventually to where we're on the level where we want to be. You know, Bryce and I like that point too because here's one that'll tickle uh, Jeff's fancy: uh, the Citrus Bowl where Alabama played Michigan. Here, I ran into a certain former 49er, former Giant, the Earth of the Earth, Wind and Fire that I know Jeff is so fond of as a Giants fan, Brandon Jacobs at the at the Alabama game. Got to shake his hand a bit, and as alumni go, he may be quote one of the lesser known air quote among them. If UCF gets to that point where they can have players like that make who, who have made NFL uh, impact Asante Samuel appearing on the field and people asking him directly why the hell he isn't in the hall of fame yet. Hashtag I said it, um, you know, that that's, that's the level I think you're talking about Bryson. And of course that would be huge. Yeah. I mean, what was, what was Brandon Jacobs doing at this, at the citrus bowl? It was Alabama and Michigan. That's all I can tell you. Well, he didn't play for either of those schools. I, hey, but you guys still got him showing up. That's all I'm saying. Maybe he was bored. Fair point. Because he did. He played briefly at Auburn, but but transferred to Southern Illinois. Mm-hmm. That's right. Anyway, uh, enough about Brandon Jake. The UCF. We were worried, Drew, and you've expressed many times your concerns about UCF football's upcoming schedule. Well, <laughs> it looks like it's been filled through 2025 but there are still some holes to fill so the latest news villanova has uh, signed on with uh ucf to play in 2023 so our first three games for next season are in are in the bag for our first game for our first year in the big 12 kent state at boise state home and home for villanova 2024 non-conference remember ucf plays nine conference games in the big 12 so we're going to go from four to three non-conference games in 2023. 2024, New Hampshire, Sam Houston, and then a game October 5th at Florida. 2025, at Maryland, home for Florida Atlantic, home for North Carolina. Nothing yet in 2026 or 2027. We have one game scheduled in 2028, one in 2030, and one in 2033. So, uh, so Drew... It's not so bad uh, as it was before. Now, granted, we don't we don't have some, you know, we're we're not exactly, uh, you know, burn, uh, burning everything down with you know the likes of Kent State and Villanova coming to town. But I kind of don't mind that, considering that it's our first year in the Big Twelve. We're going to have an extra conference game. It's there's going to be a learning curve for sure. Um, plus you're playing a road game at Boise anyway, which would be really tough. Um, but what are we looking at right now in terms of, uh, where UCF schedule is uh, shaping up? Well, um, there's a couple things to keep in mind. One, the big 12 requires 
that you have one power five conference out of conference game and UCF fails to do that in 2023, they're going to have to get a waiver. They're just kind of stuck. The fact that they, they have nine conference games actually plays to their advantage. Uh, You know, UCF had a major scheduling problem coming into you know, Terry Mohajer's tenure. Uh, he's done a, a pretty good job of, of patching stuff together. I mean, you know, Kent State and, and Sam Houston and New Hampshire and Villanova are really the main four. Uh, to, by the uh, way, to, by the way, Sam Houston is going to be an FBS school by the time you see. Yes, played. they'll be a member of Conference USA starting yep. in 2023. They're actually a really good FCS school. They've they're won national league. titles recently. Yes, uh, yes, they have. Uh, you know, so the, I mean, they're not a, a pushover program. Now, how they fare once they have to play by FBS rules is a completely different different monster. But yes, they will be a Conference USA member as of next year, and uh, you know they'll they'll. That's why uh, UCF only has one FCS game against New Hampshire. Now, you look at 2025; they have no FCS opponents. I think ideally that's where they want to end up where they have three FBS out-of-conference games, uh, despite what some fans think, uh, UCF does not need an FCS opponent if they're able to schedule things correctly. It's schedule filler. It's it's to help your budget. And if you don't need to, you know, do a, a, you know, a buy game of some sort or something, then then you fill. But you, you ideally want to have more towards, uh, you know, a group of five home game and maybe uh, a power five home and home and then a grab bag of everything in between. Now, when I look at the schedule, I'm seeing for this first big 12 year, again, it's two home, one road, 2024, two home, one road, 2025, two home, one road. Now it's going to alternate every year. You have five home conference games, four road conference games, and then the following year it flips. And they're expecting five road games next season in 2023. Okay. So is the plan, at least right now, no matter what we do, those three non-conference games, two of them got to be at home? Uh, for the most part. You're, you're going to see a power five home and home between one and two times a year. And then you're always going to see some either an FCS or a, a group of five by game to, to fill that, that third spot, but you, you, you have to have at least six home games to, to fill your budget. And so if UCF smart, they always do with the two and two home one road yeah. and, and you can balance it. You can make it work. You just have to, you know, you have to you know, spread it out and, and UCF's already showing signs of being able to do that with the buy game against Kent state and Sam Houston. Bryson, you had a question. It's really more of an obs- uh, an observation, really, because I think that UCF is actually in a really good position because you look at the 2025 schedule where you, you schedule and you mentioned how, you know, with three FBS and that you have and that and you have the group of, a group of five home game. I think UCF is actually in a very unique position in regards to that, because we have a spoil of riches of group of five schools in state with FAU, FIU and USF all he all here well the problem is they have to be available and yeah. you know you mentioned south florida south florida isn't available until 2028 so you have these years that still have to be filled so while while there is a glut of of schools between georgia and florida that can be in inex- lesser expensive 
uh, buy games, you still have the problem of a lot of those game you know slots have been filled. Uh, this is this was the uh, the problem that Terry Mohajer you know, inherited from Danny White, where the schedule was just so incomplete that it's it's being patched together, and they're still going to be doing that for the next. Um, probably the next year or two of, of fixing that. But once you get towards, you know, 27, 28, once you start filling that, then, then you've kind of caught up with most of the other schools out there and you won't be having to scramble to, to put together, put together deals. Cause when you look at the, at the out of conference schedule outside of Florida and Maryland, there's, there's really not much there, you know, there's the North what's left of the North Carolina series, which has been snake bitten. Like no one's business as far as being able to actually even get on the field. I mean, multiple almost as as much as the Georgia Tech series. Because remember, even worse, the Georgia Tech game this year was scheduled for 2017 originally. Right, but at least they got one game in 2020. You know, they at least got that one. But in North Carolina, between COVID and storms and everything, just one after another, and it's just completely snake bitten series. Uh, No one's fault. It's just the way it's worked out. So you're looking at 25 as, as a chance to finally get on the field. Yeah. Well, but there's really not much else there. The observation you've made there, Drew, in the past is part of the reason the national championship is possible via the calling matrix of some of those storm canceled games. Uh, one one storm canceled game in particular, and that was Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech. In 2017 is and, the and not, only but, reason. Yeah, the but, only. And, and let's let's not forget. The other game that was canceled that year was Maine. Now, they granted right. FCS, but it was early season. Mm-hmm. But it enabled UCF to play Austin P. Right later in the season. Now Austin P. was good that year. Austin P. was very good. In fact, it was that game against UCF that cost them going to the FCS playoffs. Yeah, they would have gone in if they never played that game. Right, right. Much and, like and, if UCF and they dropped and they, they scored thirty three. Trey, I remember Trey Neal was when he was talking about it, it was like it was what told me and Eric one time. He's like, you know, everyone was like, "What's the matter with these guys? Why are we giving up thirty three points to Austin P at home?" And he's like, "We were completely exhausted because that was right in the that was after the Navy game during that stretch of ten consecutive games." And hey, listen, same thing. I'll tell you, talking to those twenty seventeen guys consistently towards the end of the year. Last, actually, the last weekly presser of the year, I asked a number of guys from the trenches to the defense who's the toughest like the most you know the 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 toughest the grittiest team you've played and you'd be surprised how consistent the answer was navy oh most of them that doesn't surprise me at all doesn't surprise me at all with all that cut blocking that's now illegal (laughs) right surprised me at the time but and and um listen if you're a db cut blocking ain't the reason like there was there's so much of it you've heard you know whether it be traquan smith or, or um gabe davis them talk about how when they're playing they're silent there's no trash talk there's no there's no exchange and for uh wide receivers who will, we shall say uh typically have more flamboyant um personalities than their trench than their trench battling brethren um, little jibber jabbers expected, but when it goes stone cold silent, a lot of guys weren't sure how to handle that. You've heard that a number of times on the mic uh, over the past five years with UCF players in particular. Well, I always said if you want to screw with with you know with an opposing team, you don't boo them. You make no noise. You go completely radio silent. Mm. And that's going to screw with their head. But you you can't get the fans to do that. Oh, there's no way. 
Well, let, let me ask let me ask you guys uh, and Drew in particular. When we, when we look at the schedules. We wrap this up and get ready to go here. The um, twenty twenty six. What kind of a mix of teams would you like to see? Who would you? Let me let me ask you this. Okay, I, in fact, I'll ask each of you guys this question. Let me rephrase. Three teams, two home, one away. Who do you want to come here? Uh, well, I, I guess I'll go first. Um, well, let's start with uh, with one of the home Regardless games. Regardless of who's available, by the way. Yeah, I'm. I obviously, we have to look at the schedule, but I, I would love to see, you know, uh, a, a Georgia State or a Georgia Southern, more Georgia Southern as one of the home games. Uh, UCF has a long history with them in the FCS days, and uh, they used to beat up on UCF. And it would be a nice opportunity to kind of return the favor as as the Goliath at this point. I mean, if you uh, want to watch more triple option football, sure, Drew. Well, Georgia Southern. They don't run the triple O anymore. I don't. Paul Johnson's gone. He's <laughs> Last time I saw them in the Cure Bowl, they were running that when they lost to Liberty. Or no, actually, no, they came back to beat Liberty with Buckshot Calhoun as their quarterback, right? But but I, I would love to see Georgia Southern um, from a, more of a nost- uh, an, an FCS nostalgia days to kind of play to the the old school fans, uh, you know. And the second one you could be a grab bag of presidency anyone across the the the, the Eastern Seaboard, maybe uh, to 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 piss off Jeff to have uh, Liberty make up for their that that game Absolutely that had, not. had to be rescheduled just just to just to really grind his gears. Oh, for goodness' sake, true. <laughs> Well, I mean, they're they're potentially available. There's a game that has to be rescheduled or something. I no thanks. Watching Sam Congato play. I'm sorry, but continue. Uh, we can watch him play um, gro- at the grocery store. Uh, if I'm correct, that's where he worked before he got signed to Green Bay. Uh, at any rate, and then you know, obviously, you want a, a power five in there as required by by the conference. And I would love to to see uh something uh, akin of you know you know uh, a texas a&m or or someone you know maybe uh you're not going to get uh, lsu but maybe auburn with the the idea of the the gust bowl going on maybe being willing to throw a bone i i would like to see i all right i want to see First and foremost, at least one in-state game. Thank so, you. So give me Florida State. Mm. We have not played them. 98, right? 98, 95. 95. That's right. Thank Florida you. State. 98 was basketball, I think. I'd love for us to get back on get back on the dock with Florida State, and I'd really like for us to get back on the dock with Miami just to teach their fans a lesson. Um, I would so like humble. to <laughs> – <laughs> I would like to see uh, you make an interesting point about a G five opponent. I would love to to keep keep it going with uh, you know keep bringing either FIU or FAU in as the G five. Um, I don't want to go on the road to them anymore, but I'd like to bring them here. Uh, and then I would like us to do some. This is this is my own personal foible. I confess. Um, I would love for us to get to to do like a series, a home and home series with Syracuse, for obvious reasons. You know, I specifically stayed away from from homeristic teams, so I didn't have to hear it from Kyle. But man, you blew it. Or a Ball State or Youngtown, or or, or yeah, <laughs> yeah, Ball State. 
or uh, or, or Rutgers. Okay. Wouldn't Rutgers bring a Big Ten team in here? We'd wax them. I mean, and I'd love to travel. Rutgers? I'd love to travel up to Piscataway, see my family, and then watch UCF just absolutely. Well, can you tar can you really call them, them a Big Ten team? I mean, it's kind of embarrassing to call them, you know, to the conference to call them a Big Ten team. Hey, if we, well, look, if we really look, is. if we're playing them, we're playing them. Yeah, I'd lo- I would love to say, yeah, we absolutely mollywopped a Big Tw- a Big Ten team. I'll take it. Did you just say mollywopped? I did. <laughs> mollywopped. Look, I will. I will say that the Syracuse thing sounds interesting. My only worry is for is, and is for some reason when it is I for for the record I I play college football pick them for like the longest time. Whenever Syracuse is at home, I for some weird reason, no matter who they play, I always like I pick Syracuse as the underdog more often than not because they never cover the spread. The point is that Syracuse is unnaturally good at home, and I don't want to have a Tulsa situation happen. Dude, where according to, dude, according to what man, they are never good at home. The only they've only the only home game that they've won in the last ten years was against Clemson. That's it. Let me tell you my. Let me tell you They are so point. bad in the dome. It's not even blind bad. squirrel finds nut. Details <laughs> at eleven. Yeah. Well, let me. Let me tell you, the point is, is that Syracuse at home just always leaves a bad taste, a bad taste in my mouth that always makes me nervous. Um, That's because it, it's Syracuse and it's not up in New York and no one cares okay. about them. So let, so here's, here's the, the opponents that I would have. So, and I actually did do a quick little search on availability because I'm just, I just really wanted to, I really would like to be, these to be as feasible as possible. Um, the FIU FAU thing. That is definitely something I want to do. And I actually took a quick look and take this with a grain of salt because I just did a quick Wikipedia search. And FIU does not have any conference games for 2026 either. So I think that that is certainly uh, is like, hey, you know, do you want to form an alliance with me type of moment? where hey, uh, but, 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 You can't use that word. Correct. That's a dirty word. <laughs> so yeah. So that either either of which is a really good idea. FAU, I believe, also has it also has some availability in 2026 as well. But I would I just think FIU because we played FAU like a lot of times. But you know, we also have the relationship with Brian White. So who knows? Listen, Bryce, um, but that's one of them. You were guaranteed to have a photographer for every game. That's all I'm saying. Continue. Very true. <laughs> um, the other one is uh the other one I would say is Florida State. Because I um, I looked, Florida State schedule, again, grain of salt, Wikipedia. If for 2026, they have Alabama on the road, Notre Dame at home, Florida at home, and then they have one more. So if we have a home and home with Florida State, then that would be the, like that power five road game that I would, or that, that I, because I think that that's the one that Florida State would be looking for in that year. That would be a big one. And then the other one I would say is the Gus Bowl because 2026, all Auburn has is a home game with Baylor for that. So I think that that's a dream schedule for me. You have that in-state Florida matchup, then you get your Florida State matchup again, and then you get the Gus Bowl as long as Gus, you know, is still coaching in that time optimistic uh, optimistically i obviously you know he's uh, i was talking when already retiring gus man he just got here for well i don't know look look, look it's, 20, it's 2026 a lot can happen between now and 2026 i'm just I, I think that uh, the point is i think that i would now hopefully if they can get that deal then maybe that'll motivate gus to coach for that long until he can do that game maybe but 
I the point is is that I th- is I on that I think that Gus is going to be here longer than Frost or Heupel, and that's what I want to see. Gus Stitch needs to be here longer than 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 Josh or than Heupel or Frost, and then if there's an heir apparent with Travis Williams, at least that way we're we're set up for the foreseeable future. Is my point. But anyway, my three are are Auburn, FAU, FIU, and then uh, Florida State. First things first, if we're talking about 2026, it's very possible by then that A, he's both stayed here longer than Heupel or Frost, and B, he retires or uh, his contract is up when Saban retires and he takes over at Alabama. I'm joking. Here's the thing. Don't you dare put that out into the universe. Oh, my (laughs) God. It already happened. (laughs) Hey, listen, don't hate the player, hate the game. Here's the thing. Um, I like the in-state thing. I think it's all great. Why are we wasting our time with the waste of space that is the Atlantic Coast Conference and their ever decrepit and de- and depleting teams? Don't waste my time with the Knolls or the Canes. That's adorable. Keep it with the we keep it with the Gators. We have it off the ground. They're fresh to get revenge off the Gasparilla Bowl. They either get it or they get beat back. But what you have is the statings of an actual credible in-state rival, not that school in West Florida. A B. If you want G five that by bad fellas in recent history, what team has not been or has been rather a bigger factor in UCF's recent success than Memphis? Why not keep them in the fold and, hey, garner that relationship, continue that relationship with what could be a soon-to-be Big 12 school, depending on what happens with the realignment. <clears throat> and lastly, gentlemen, I don't know why we're we wasting- We are throwing all kinds of pasta. What about Troy, not a state university? Uh, that's 2G of a 5. Anyways, um, here's my whole thing. I believe that that anything you can do to stay with what used to be the best college football that money could buy in the SEC before everybody was, air quotes, allowed to do it. Um, you're going with the wrong orange, Jeff. The fans would lose their ish bringing Tennessee to town and crushing Hypel. I, I, I know. Yes. He had me in everything except Memphis because the hope is by then Memphis is, is a conference mate. Hey, listen, the reason why I say that drew is because realignment is what it is. It may not happen. That, that may, you know, that's, that's in jeopardy. If that's the case though, I'll meet you there and trade it out for SMU. I like a former American team being on that schedule as a G5 over any ACC contribution. I just want to wish it to happen. Uh, if we if we all wish together, we can make it happen. Hey, then I'm, dude, just, and I'm right there with you, partner. I, I know you and I are both big fans of, of, of the Memphis Tigers. I agree with you, Kyle, about the ACC thing. The problem, though, is is that you should not consider the fact that Clemson and Florida State are, are, are and Florida State are as programs just better off than all the other ACC. Well, teams. I mean, if you want to be truly technical, Florida State's more of an ass program, uh, but that's I neither agree. here nor there. Uh, well, what has Clemson done since Trevor Lawrence has left? They got beat out by Pitt for Christ's sake. Okay. Well, I'm the you know you know they, don't, they, 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 don't give up on Clemson just yet. Pitt, yeah. yeah, they have more bags of money to give away. Gentlemen, Pitt is a team that, after beating UCF, printed a T-shirt for the fact that they beat a G5 school. That should tell you everything you need to know. Well, it's Pitt. I mean, we're they talking about major inferiority. Have really contact. desperate marketing. I mean, you know, it's desperate. I mean, when you're I, stuck I, in Penn State's. Yeah. When, you you, know. when you're stuck in Penn State shadow, yeah, you're gonna think you know try to get any form of marketing you well, can do. Well, here's here's the thing: like, how much is how much is Pitt going to want to do that? 
you know, if they're playing the backyard brawl with West Virginia. Oh, oh man, I can't wait for play that, another that big, game this year. That game is such a war, man. Oh, we can play two ACC teams. Man, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I I tell you what, let's let's wrap it. Go ahead, Kyle. You have the last word. I, I didn't. I don't hear anybody criticizing the Tennessee call. I'm just saying. I I, I, I would I, I would, I would love to Tennessee. see it. Yeah, I would listen. I would love to see it. I don't know if Hyper would and Danny White would go for it. Premise was regardless of feasibility and availability. Yeah, and and well, yeah, I think I, it's, I, think, I think it's I think it is regardless of feasibility. But we know it's feasible and we know it could be available. I just don't think they want to do it. Coward. I think <laughs> I, I think Kyle and I are both onto something of of the SEC instead of the ACC. Right. Um, I think that's very important. Uh, I don't think uh, I, I think with Florida already playing three games against UCF, I don't think we need to worry about adding them again. Yeah, well, I'm just telling you, I'm looking forward to see it, partner. Oh yeah, we're, we'll see that in just uh, just let's a couple get, years. Let's get South Carolina back in here. We you know, we owe them some payback. <laughs> I I will say I I will be on board with the pit with the pit thing if only because it would be absolutely hilarious because I was literally there this summer i i saw that it'd just be so cosmically funny that i would that i would totally be down for that i'm still traumatized from that 2006 game that one was rough that one was rough where Uh, the game was over on the opening kickoff yeah uh let i tell you what let's do this as we wrap this thing up if you've got a plan for three non-conference opponents two at home one on the road uh 2026 and beyond Send it to us on social media. We are at UCF Banner at underscore SBN. We want to hear your suggestions. Maybe you actually do the homework for us on this one and see which see which teams might be available for that. Uh, you can follow us individually. I am at Jeff underscore Sharon. Bryson is at It's Bryson Turner. Andrew is at Stat Boy Drew. And Kyle is at The SOTG for the student of the game you can also follow us at facebook.com slash black and gold banner and also subscribe to our youtube channel where bryson has so graciously posted a metric ton of content for me that you might want to consume here uh from based on what we saw from uh earlier today don't forget to follow our boy eric lopez too eric lopez elo on twitter as well as well as the noah goldberg and underscore ds warden derek and noah are two photographers who uh will be hard at work this year uh for you if you haven't subscribed to our podcast please do we are on apple and android if you already subscribed to us thank you we appreciate it make sure you uh send us a uh or rate us and send us a link around to your ucf friends if you know if they don't if they don't subscribe to us uh it helps us out uh as always so for all of us here at black and gold banner at for bryson for kyle for drew i'm jeff saying thank you so much for listening. Football season is almost here. We can almost smell it now, guys. Media Day is behind us, and hopefully we'll be finding out quarterbacks and uniforms and all the other fun stuff next week. Tiffany Roberts, I hate that. Women's soccer preview. We're going to have our bottle preview with Todd Dagenet. After that, we're going to have Scott Calvary's from men's soccer. Uh, we're off and running now, guys, because the fall is with me and Reach. We're always here at Black Hole Banner Alley. Jeff Sharon saying thanks for listening.